Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 17th episode of The Lab. We hope you enjoyed our little talk last week about some of the different recovery tools and some of the different, maybe, um, I guess you could say our, our mindset on some of the different tractors that are out there right now, maybe one to use them, one not to use them. Um, but also, you know, the importance of a dynamic warm-up. Uh, today, what we're going to be talking about is we're going to go through some different... Uh, we're going to get more into some of the science of things and just kind of go more into, like, the different levers... And basically, how does the body work a little bit? Uh, we're also going to go through a few different uh, lifting, I guess you could say, variations. Maybe it might not be as obvious to some, but some of just the, the, the different changes between forms. Like, for example, a high bar squat versus a low bar squat. Um, a sumo versus conventional deadlift. Uh, and then also, you know, what happens with your... Uh, different muscles that are activated when you transition from maybe a wide grip bench press to a narrow grip bench press. Uh, so leading off here, we're just going to kind of talk a little bit first about the squat. Uh, in particular, we're going to talk about the, the front squat, the back squat, which includes the high and low bar. Uh, and then we'll even maybe get into, if we got some time here, we'll talk about like how the width of your feet can also influence your squat. Uh, but just kind of starting off, you know, obviously the front squat. Uh, so to some... Uh, not many people love this one. I know, depending on like what your front rack capability can be like, it can be limited in two different areas. Uh, sometimes it's the front rack where people really struggle to maintain position in the elbows in the forward position, um, which can either be limited by the lats or sometimes even the triceps, believe it or not. Just with having to load through the hands and having to drive the elbows forward, uh, if you have that kind of fixed external, I mean, we get a little technical here, if an externally rotated arm or femur, or not femur, Jesus, humerus, Huh. Funny. It's a doctor, guys. Yeah, it's me. With uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, an externally rotated humerus, uh, and then having that that lengthened position in the triceps, it can be a little bit more difficult just to maintain that upright position, uh, especially when you start getting down to the bottom of the hole. Uh, the other area, just because of the nature of the front squat, can sometimes be the ankles for people. Uh, having a, a deficit in ankle dorsiflexion, uh, being able to get into depth can sometimes pitch people forward, and then that just makes the front rack even harder on everybody. Uh, so two different areas that I usually recommend for lifters to start addressing right out of the gate is either going to be the lat flexibility and tricep flexibility, uh, sometimes even upper back strength, uh, but then also getting into ankle mobility. What is your, your closed chain ankle dorsiflexion like? Uh, can you get there comfortably, or are you really fighting to get it? Uh, I don't know if you guys have experienced any kind of like deficits with your front rack. Um, I don't know if I've seen... You, you've done a few front racks over here before. I think I've seen that before with you with your front squats. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, what are some of the things that you've found with the front rack that have really helped you with just assuming those two positions that I just discussed? Um, a lot of people want to, like, grip the whole bar. Like, put, like, all five fingers around that thing. I personally like having my thumbs on this side, and I only use maybe my index and middle finger to hook. Just for, for cool. Yeah, and I get a huge, like, forearm stretch if I try to go all five fingers, and I kind of lose... Um, my elbow positioning whenever I try to front squat like that. But uh, I always have a hard time bracing. If I'm doing, like, reps, I feel like just bracing is a lot. Using your core and stuff like that is a lot more harder in a front squat. Yeah. Or it, it exposes it a lot more, I guess, than what you can in a back squat. Mm-hmm. So that's always my big issue with front squats. And then my ankle mobility. That's, like, the only squat nowadays I'll use my lifters for mm-hmm. is a front squat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I definitely think, like, the component to breathing with the front squat, just with like the loading of the barbell right across the front of the shoulders, because you get that kind of like rounded posture, you can't take as much of a deep breath. Compressors um, your diaphragm just <laughs> ever so slightly as the, as the weight goes up. 
it's super hard to explain to kids like how you want to you want to maintain like a nice tight back position so like their elbows are up and then it's like trying to pull their shoulder blades back but then all of a sudden like the delts are away yeah. so you can't rack it you yeah. can't hold the bar there so it's like pop your delts out yeah your back's gonna like have this almost rounded shape to it but just keep tension there so yeah, yeah. they're just like watching them try to like figure that out it was, it was kind of funny quinn was doing that the other day actually and then they hit you with the what's a delt <laughs> Tell you when you're older, <laughs> but uh, and like if you're, so I have trouble like Brandon getting my hands in that position. It's just not going to happen. So I do like the mummy version where you kind of cross your arms, set the bar like on your collarbone or like almost in like your Adam's apple, and then your thumb it kind of goes like right right into like where your delt and your pet tie in, and it's like a natural little hold. Um, so that's what I do. And then you can even like uh, zombie it and just leave your arms straight out <laughs> and have it be balanced. But you better have some strong front delts on that one to hold your arms up. What's the danger of having that bar rest a little bit too far into that Adam's apple trotter? Makes women sound like men. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It'll put hair <laughs> on your chest real quick. But yeah. Yeah, if you rest that bar a little bit too close to that Adam's apple, sometimes I've had an instance of people either starting to like see stars, black out, just rest a little bit too far into that, those jugular rings. Yeah. Not exactly a comfortable sensation. Yeah. I've done that once or twice. Yeah. But, I mean, you learn from it. Yeah. You learn from it. But if it's for a PR, it's for a PR. <laughs> Suck it up, right? Yeah. No, that's awesome. So, kind of transitioning out of that one, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about first the, the racking of the bar for a high versus a low uh, back squat. So, Todd, I'll let you kind of talk about this one a little bit more, kind of get into that, and how that's just going to change some of the different, I guess, hip and hip, ankle and knee uh, joint changes as well. Yeah. And I'll kind of, I'll, I'll weigh in as well, just from like PT side of things, just from your experience with powerlifting and how you've seen, like, especially with the kids, changing it from maybe a high or a low bar. Um, usually with the kids, I, I don't mess with it too much. Um, it's too much of a variable because it, it, it really depends on how thick the person is, I guess, too. And I've always found, like, if I can get myself in a slightly lower bar for me, if I can set the bar on, like, my rear delts, then um, that puts the bar more in line with my hips. So it should, in theory, generate more power um, because that bar is not getting away from the hips if you're watching it from the side as you go down um, you want that bar it, it much in the hip line as you can um, to, to generate that much force um, once it gets away like say you start leaning too far forward then you put a lot of emphasis on your low back and the way that most people are built their low backs cannot take it um, so then you'll have a rounding over in the squat and your hips will and your ass will shoot straight up out of the hole and, and then it's just for a bad time but um, nine times out of ten, I usually high bar it um, because I just don't have the shoulder mobility for a low bar. Um, so that's that's what I've noticed uh, with the kids and such. It's like they they don't like the sensation that they may lose that bar like off their back. Yeah. So I just kind of like have them place it wherever, and then just have them pinch their shoulder blades and kind of shrug up into it and create a little bit of a shelf for that bar to sit on, rather than their you know their vertebrae, but. Uh, Brandon's really good at low bar, so that's where I was going to ask, like, tie that in. Got them big delts, man. Pop them out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just have shoulder mobility. I can handle it more. Um, 
It kind of comes down to my, my cores and the strong. So every time I high bar, it just, I feel like, oh, that's my back. And, um, yeah. Things like that. I have to, I'll put my lifters on because I don't feel like I'm, I just have, I just like the huge sit back. If you talk about like the mechanical, or the moment arm from a high bar to a low bar squat. Mm-hmm. So basically if you have like the bar and you go into your squat on a high bar, you're not going to have as big of a hip hinge because that bar will come over the mid point of your foot. Or yep. when you low bar, you can actually sit your hinge back farther. So if you draw like a line from, the middle of your body to where your hips are that distance from that line to the hips is is the moment arm and the greater that moment arm is is the the more um force you'll be able to produce yep. so that's kind of um the mechanical advantage of a in theory of a of a low bar versus high bar but then everybody's different yeah. what, what's their what's their strong suits where's their weaknesses at and things like that well and then i mean you could even go further down the rabbit hole and figure out how how much can they open their legs you know, and, and do that. And then, you know, their stance, you know, if you're, if you're a super narrow stance squatter, then low bar is going to be a bad time. Cause now you got your chest resting on your knees while you're in the hole, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of people, they just, I don't know. They just, uh, they just aren't strong in those positions. So like, it makes sense if you're looking at like a world record holder doing it, it's like, Oh yeah, I should be able to squat 900 pounds. If I can put the bar there too. Absolutely not. Like, there's a big difference. <laughs> They've trained that. Yeah. They've learned to build up that resilience. Well, just like anybody else, they they all started at the same spot that everybody else started. You know, like, I mean, the, the first time that I benched, I couldn't bench 95 pounds. I got it crushed on my chest, you know, and it's like the same thing with squat. Like, I remember the first time that I did 135, and I thought I was, like, the strongest person in the world. I am all that is man. You know? But I, I think people like uh, in today's day and age, they, they lose track of that because all you see on Instagram are these just in crazy amounts of like heavy singles or heavy doubles, but you don't see the work that's put in place like years before that leading up to it. It's like the other day we were messing around with that hook grip deadlift and yeah. we, I mean, 225, 315 for us is pretty, it's not, it's not challenging. Yeah. So we can mess around with that kind of weight and then the kids are like, Man, I wish it looked that easy for me. And it's like, dude, I've been doing this for eight, ten years, man. Yeah. Wait, wait till you're 28 and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Look at the gray hairs in my beard. Yeah. Not quite. <laughs> We're getting there, though. Yeah. Well, it's like the the kids that are like just now getting their license. I've been lifting longer than you've been alive. Like in in the gym like setting, you know, whether it be like high school sports and stuff like that. But it's like there there's like there's levels to it that people just forget and i mean hell i'm like uh uh oh, what's the word for it guilty of it too because i i don't think about it like when me and you're fucking around pulling 225 315 just for like just to try things out while the kids are there and then all of a sudden they look at you like what is what is wrong with you guys <laughs> yeah that's funny so just to kind of carry off that um that's funny you mentioned the hook grip. We'll, we'll get into that yeah. a little later. Man, we went um, on a tangent there. Yeah. I was gonna say, but I like it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, but some other things besides like the hip angle and things that you'd see with like the difference between like a high and low bar squat is just like also the degree of range of motion required from the knee and also the ankle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like with a low bar, you're not going to need as much like tibial advancement forward. So therefore, you don't have to worry about your ankle mobility as much. Still worth looking into if it's still something that maybe bothers you. Uh, but then also the amount of knee bending that has to occur because you're allowed to use so much more of the hip and the torso angle is more to your advantage. Uh, however, if you go more to like a high bar squat, 
you're going to need way more ankle mobility in regards to that translation of the tibia and then also having to get deeper into that. So you're going to load the quads way more. I would say that the comparison between like glute and, I mean, we, we could even pull up a few studies for this too, but like the difference between like glute activation for both might not necessarily like change as much, but then the difference between like quad activation maybe is just a little different. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, like if you're having pain with a high bar and you think if you watch it and you feel like, oh yeah, my, my ankles are coming up or like maybe my feet are collapsing in, raise your heels. You take the heels out of the equation and all of a sudden the squat looks beautiful, great. If it still looks like shit, we got other things to work on. Uh, the other thing about that is uh, if you're looking into, like I, I've always heard that like, you know, you shouldn't low bar if you're an Olympic weightlifter or if like you're in CrossFitter because, you know, the, the, the high bar has more of a translation with like the more upright torso angle. Well, maybe for the clean, but if you look at a snatch and you look at the starting position for a snatch, where's that torso angle at the beginning? So like I was actually talking, his name's uh, Dr. Michael Mash with uh, the Barbell Rehab. We were actually talking about this. I was like, I've always heard this, but like I've never liked how people just completely dismiss low bar without like really you know, going into it as much as they should. And so like, we started talking about how like that actually does have more of a translation between like a high bar for a snatch as opposed to the, the low bar. And I think that people should be doing a mixture. So like when people are like, you should never low bar, like. Give give me the reason why. Like I don't know why. There's a lot of people say you can't go ask the grass and the bar stance either, but it's false. Yeah, yeah. The the bar placement has nothing to do with how your hips and your knees bend. Yeah. Like you still have to bend that lower half. Exactly. If it don't move, it don't move. <laughs> no, but there, there's some other things. We can even post a picture about like just like the racking position of a low bar versus a high bar. Uh, we'll put those up and then. Uh, We'll, we'll kind of carry on here because we're, we're already almost at 15 minutes, Keith. Uh, so we'll kind of go into more of like the difference between now like a conventional stance deadlift and then also a sumo deadlift, which by the way is not cheating. Like sumo deadlifts is just another variation that allow you to target different groups of muscles compared to the conventional. Uh, I'll let Brandon and Trotter here go a little bit more into maybe uh, how the, they're going to differ here in terms of which muscle groups are going to get you know a little bit more lit up. But at the end of the day, they get you stronger, it gets you stronger. You're self-limiting, you're self-limiting. Uh, so I'll let you boys take that one away. Uh, Terry Park. I, I never realized until we started this episode that we both do the opposite things. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, so I pull conventional. Um, mainly that is due to how weak of um, hips that I have comparatively. Um, I can't... I'm not as powerful, I should say, in a wide sumo stance that I am in a conventional stance. I can just generate more force that way with my leverages. I have very long legs. I got decently long arms with a very short torso. So if I can, if I can get down in that position and, and use my hamstrings and my ass to get that bar going, then that's what I'm going to do. Um, so with that being said, I use a lot of posterior chain. So your whole backside from top of your head all the way down to your heels. Um, and you want to think about uh, wedging against that bar. So the perfect deadlift doesn't make a sound. There's there's that little bit of noise. It's like a click that when you pull the slack out of the bar, it's called. Um, usually with a deadlift bar, there's a little bit of flex in there so you can feel that. Um, power bar, it's obviously stiffer, everything like that, but get enough weight on it, it'll flex. Um, so that's, that's how I approach it. Um, Whenever I'm setting it up, if uh, let's say you had a pair of Chuck Taylors on, and 
get your feet up to the bar, like where you want to start at. Um, I don't necessarily agree with you have to have your shins on the bar for a conventional because it depends a lot on your ankle mobility, of course, too. So when I look down, I try to think about that bar as just a giant knife and it's going to split my foot right in half. Um, and then you kind of adjust it based on people's size. So if you're a skinnier person, then you can have that bar slightly closer to your ankle. If you're like a fatter person with a gut, then kind of move that closer to your, t to your toes. Um, as far as like grip goes, um, I just go, you know, you flex your lats and you flex them down. So the lats are like your wings of your back, if you will. Um, you flex them down, try to make your arms as long as you can. You want to flex your triceps because that's going to keep your underhand um, from bending, which will result in a bicep tear. Um, it's pretty much guaranteed and uh, at some point, I guess. And then, um, yeah, you just go straight down. Like, don't try to have too wide of a grip because your upper back is not strong enough, I promise you. And just bring that in a little bit. Yeah, but you don't want them too close because then your knees, when they drive out to start your pull, they hit your elbow and then your elbow bends because your legs are stronger than your arms and then suddenly you're back to the bicep. Okay, that was long winded, my bad. Go. Sumo. <laughs> I'm the complete opposite. I got a weak post chain, weak back, and uh, I just got much stronger hips and groins and things like that. Um, and uh, I just got longer legs and short arms, so it's just like... For me to go conventional, I feel like I'm just like standing on a 45-pound plate trying to go get this bar. Yeah. To where sumo, like it's just a nice, almost like squat to me, and mm -hmm. then I can grab the bar. Um, I like the. A lot of people try to go most, I think, too wide with their sumo. So like my rule of thumb is like if think about building a house with your legs and then your uh, thighs, like shins, nice and vertical, and then your um, thighs maybe at like a 45-degree angle. Um, I think a lot you'll see a lot more hook grip when it comes to um, sumo. sumo. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think some people almost don't angle their toes out enough. I mean, my toes are pretty much. You're almost greater than 45. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 150, 160 probably. I'm almost. Yeah. Yeah. You're almost flat. Yeah. Um, this I I I don't like when my too many people have their knees go too far over the bar. I know like rule of thumb is you don't want your kneecap to maybe hover. I like that my my shin just as vertical as possible, and then I'll actually get my. Well, I'll have my legs straight, go down there and get my grip, and then kind of fill my air up at the top, and then I'll actually pull myself into position to where, like, if I don't have anything less than, like, 315 in the bar, when I'm pulling myself into position, that bar should be coming up. Yeah. That's how I create tension, take the slack out of the bar, like I was saying before. And uh, I just haven't had a back injury in a long time, ever since I switched to sumo, so that's really the main reason I do. I can still go heavy for me and not feel like shit. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, that, that was a good point. It, you know you're creating enough tension. If you can put your body weight on that barbell in whatever stance that you're in, and it's like, quote unquote, floating the bar. So once you get both hands on it, you're pulling your back into the position that you want, so you get your chest upright or you know chest through, then that bar should come off the ground without you even trying to drive your legs into the floor or anything else, like trying to pull. Um, if you do that, then you are braced correctly. You have established the tension that is needed. You've wedged into the bar. Um, I always think about it like this: you know, if you're if you're 250 pounds and you are trying to deadlift 315, and you wedge into that correctly, you are essentially only pulling uh, what is that 65 pounds? 
because you're, you're using your body weight to your advantage on that with that wedge and creating that torque. Um, there was something else I was going to say when you were explaining. You had a good one too. Another day for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think one thing in terms of like the range of motion that between a conventional and a sumo, what would you guys say is going to be? Do you think it's detrimental to pull sumo if the range of motion is less? Lockout's a lockout. Mm-hmm. Still got to get your hips forward. I mean, if you make it one, if you force everybody to go one way or the other, it's yeah. there's still going to be, it's not going to be fair. Yeah. I mean, if I'm 6'3 and a 5'10 guy, I mean, the, the distance from the floor into the lockout's going to change. So, I mean, sit there and say you got to do one way or the other is, yeah. it's not strong, man. You know, it's, you, yeah. you're not, you're not wrapping up, you're not wrist straps. I mean, just. Yeah, you got to work with what you got. Yeah. Um, one of the most important things that I did fail to mention now that I remembered is when you are pulling and you start your pull from the, from the bottom up to on the floor all the way to the top, if you watch and you're watching like uh, Brandon and I from the side or you're just watching a good deadlifter, their hips and their shoulders move at the exact speed and they're together. So if you are uh, starting your deadlift and your hips are shooting straight up in the air and now you're going to do some like like stripper squat thing, then like you're driving your feet into the ground, but you're not pulling with your upper body. So you just lost all that tension and your back's going to round over and you're going to look like a dog taking a shit. So that's, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always say if your butt comes up, that bar comes up. Yep. Just a lot of kids kind of catch on to that too. Yeah. That's a good one. But same principle. Yeah. And then we could even talk about, so you guys find a difference between when you guys work on going back to the hook rip. Uh, when you guys pull mixed grip as opposed to pulling hook grip, uh, do you guys use a gravity teaching one way or the other, or do you guys see like different applications for utilizing only hook grip and only using mixed? I feel like it depends on like the sport. If you're a powerlifter, why would I ever have you go through a hook grip unless you like absolutely need it? You have to be a there. I, there's not a many. There's not too many tough kids in the world that would hook grip anymore. Honestly, I agree. With that. I mean, to sit there and take that kind of pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, the feeling of having your thumbs almost come up. I mean, yeah. We're not. We don't have a bunch of tape here. We don't have. Yeah. Your hook gripping is. You're not taped up. You got chalk, and yeah. a lot of kids just don't want to feel that rip out of your yeah. skin. Um, yeah. I'll teach them a little bit whenever they're doing cleans. This is some of them. Whenever they make that second pull transition to a front rack catch, I mean, some of them will kind of have a hard time. They'll kind of lose it and things like that. Mm-hmm. The, the load's a lot lighter versus the deadlift, so it's a little bit more tolerable. But I don't really have a care if you overhand hook alternate I mean don't matter to me yeah I do agree with you in regards to like the Olympic lifts I definitely like teaching the hook grip especially as the weight gets heavier and they're trying to apply as much force as possible if there's even like an inkling of like a slip out of the hand mm-hmm. that you're going to lose contact where you want on the hip and there's just a whole hot potch down the chain hand too uh, yeah. what were you going to say I want to circle back real quick one of the things that we failed to mention was it's okay to change your stance. Like if you if you are stalling in the conventional, then just switch the sumo. Just give yourself that mental break and change that angle that you're that you're training and you're trying to work. Um, we do that fairly often, and I I promise you, when my conventional gets like stalled, I get so mad knowing that I have to do <laughs> sumo for the next six to eight weeks because it's like my ego is completely taken out. Because there's, you know, there's probably a hundred pound difference between my conventional and my um, sumo. Yeah. Um, 
But as far as the hook grip goes, like you can, um, if you set the bar in like a very high rack and you can just like set that hook and then just like keep building up and wait and just hold on to it for a minute, you know, that's one way that you can kind of work that, uh, curve, I guess, of getting through the pain, mm -hmm. but it still sucks. It's bad. Yeah. But there's advantages to it. You know, you can probably shorten your range of motion on a deadlift one to two inches. That means you don't have to pull it as far. Uh, the likelihood of you losing the grip on it probably goes down a little bit too. Mm -hmm. And then of course your, your susceptibility to tearing a bicep drops as well. True. I'll take all that risk. <laughs> oh yeah. Bring, like, bring it on. Bring yeah. I'm all that man. Uh, so then a little another modification besides just like the mixed grip and then also the hook grip. Uh, Brendan and I were talking a little bit this morning also about like a snatch grip for a deadlift. Uh, so one of the big things with that, and like, you know, I, I actually love this for translation into the Olympic lifts, uh, just for the sole reason that I feel like it taxes that mid-back a little bit more. And like if your weakness right off the floor with a snatch is like abysmal, then like, that is a great way of start addressing that. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, another thing, if like, like Trotter was actually going through uh, one of the interns here was just teaching how to apply like bands with like a snatch grip high curl and just, just teaching the bar how to float. So like... That, that's just another, I guess, modification as well with the deadlift. If, if you're going more into like the CrossFit realm and like more into like the Olympic lifts, just like modifying it to fit your need. You know? yeah. uh, they schedule that snatch grip on like dead simber. Mm. I just dread it, man. It's like 65% <laughs> of your deadlift max for five. Wow. Yeah. Like it's it's hard to grip that out there. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's, I mean, I like the way it blows my upper back up, but man, yeah. it's. <laughs> As a guy who hates conventional as it is, you're going to make me do conventional <laughs> and snatch grip. <laughs> yeah. No thanks. Yep. Uh, but now we'll move on here because, man, this, this is going on more than I anticipated. Uh, so going into the bench press, um, and I guess we'll combine it with the pull-up here just to make kind of short work of it. Uh, but with the bench press, um, not a whole lot of ways you can modify that besides just grip width. Uh, so like going from more of a wider, obviously, you know, loading the pecs just a little bit more, but as you get a little closer, uh, just that transition into more of a, you know, loading the triceps. Uh, big thing though, I think most people, uh, you, you can go, you can definitely go too wide on a bench press. I uh, definitely, that's from experience, uh, <laughs> got to watch that sometimes. Uh, but then also on the pull-ups, um, Brandon, in terms of like pull up, what have you kind of found in your training with like modifying pull up and grip? Um, I'm obviously you know, uh, supinated grip. You can add some uh, biceps to it. Um, I think I have a lot of our kids do neutral grip, just a little bit more shoulder friendly. It doesn't have like that internal external rotational force on it. And then um, uh, pronated grip, obviously the hardest one. Not a lot of bicep. It's just like almost all straight lat. Um, so that's kind of like whenever we do, uh, we got kids that can like bang out like maybe 10, 12 supinated uh, pull-ups. Switch to the neutral grip, it might drop two or three reps. And then when you go to a, a pronated grip, I mean, sometimes I'll have a hard time doing two. Mm -hmm. So I mean, the grip, it targets different muscles and it's uh, it reduces some muscles and it's a little bit more challenging if you want a good back development. Yeah. I, I'll shout them out since we shit on them quite often. Landon the other day took two challenges on pull-ups and the first one he's he the the kid went before him he did 15 and then uh landon banged out 16 and stopped like he was just like oh yeah i could have kept going 
And then probably 10 minutes later, he did like 21 or 22. Jesus. And I was like, damn. <laughs> All right. You have your moments. <laughs> but, yeah. So that's, that's my compliment for the year, Landon. If you're listening to this, you're not going to get another one. <laughs> it's only February. <laughs> so let, let, let's move on over then to the dips. So in terms of like torso position... Um, you know, if you're kind of maintaining a more upright position, uh, you're going to get a lot more shoulder extension, a lot more loading through the chest, um, and then having to drive out of that. Uh, not necessarily always the greatest in terms of like pec tendon um, happiness, I'll put it that way, because I mean, you need to be able to tolerate shoulder extension to a degree. Yeah. Um, but then also changing that torso angle and making it more of like a tricep extension. Uh, always ways to modify that. But, you know, if you're having pain in one way, uh, you can always modify it to the other, kind of like you were saying. Or if you get stopped in one area, you know, maybe building up strength in another spot and then trying it again. Um, always big things, you know, you don't have to stop training. You can always modify and continue and then return to it, see if what you modified helped. Uh, doing something is better than doing nothing. Thank you. Yes. Because... In 99% of the circumstances. <laughs> Uh, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else we missed out? On? We could we could circle back to the bench real quick. Yeah, we yeah. didn't touch on it too much. So yeah, cool. if you're going like a like a wide grip, mm-hmm. so in powerlifting, and I don't I don't think it's uh, like this in CrossFit or anything, but the widest that you can go is you have to have that little ring on each side covered, so you can put your pointer finger on the ring. Um, so doing that, that's going to shorten your range of motion one. And it's going to hit more of like a pec and a front delt in your shoulder. So if you're stronger in that area, then that's how you need to bench during like at least like a competition or a max out. Yeah. Um, if you're stronger in the triceps, then the closer that you bring your grip in, the more triceps that you're going to have. Now, of course, triceps are what extend your elbow and get you to lock out. So that needs to be trained, you know, more than anything else. Um, I think it was, uh, I, I want to say Pacifico. He said like way back in the day that your bench press is like 70% of your triceps. So you need to like hammer your triceps if you want your bench to grow up. Um, so that's, that's what we found. Uh, also within this last like year, probably I've just been doing like a study, like within my head between like our girls and our guys and all of our girls are stronger when they are in a wide grip because they're shoulder dominant just for whatever reason. And all of our boys are stronger when they're in a close grip. Um, so that's probably going to have to be adjusted within our programming or whatever. But yeah, I don't know if uh, they just have like more. I feel like women's sports are more shoulder dominant. I can like see that. Volleyball, yeah. softball, swimming. Uh, you always see more swimmers and tennis players and the female around in this area. I guess. Yeah, you, I can say I don't, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. know about yeah. or at least our athletes, but that's how I feel. Yeah. But I, I, I'll give her a shout out too. I think Strauss was dead even both. It didn't matter where her grip was. So that that was pretty cool. I, I want to say Camilla was the X factor there on she could do like a close grip just as much as she could wide grip, I believe. But both freaks of nature. So there's your guys a compliment. You're done for the year. <laughs> That's all you get. Yeah. Uh, no, but we hope you guys enjoyed today's discussion on just some of the different, you know, 
those core lifts, the modifications, and maybe just some of the different variations that you guys can maybe play around with and you know look into. If you guys want to record those, tag us in it. Um, send us how, how you've uh, maybe adjusted based off what you've learned today. Um, if you guys have any questions, you know, like I've always said, reach out. Um, but we will see you guys next time.